Hey everyone, this is James White, one of the elders at Redeemer Church here in Columbus, and we're trying something new for a season, um, and whenever we get the availability to, let's just uh, recap the sermon topic from the Sunday morning prior to this being recorded, and this morning we had the joy of having Russell Mord, the Associational Missions Director for the Golden Triangle Baptist Association preached for us at Redeemer on Acts 20 verses 1 through 16 and really just spoke about Paul's time in Troas, um, just kind of ending his third missionary journey, specifically about this young man that falls out of a window and dies for a moment. And so I've got David, one of our elders at Redeemer, in the room with me, and I've got Nicholas one of the church members at Redeemer as well. And we're just going to discuss it together and just see what big takeaways we had and um, just some applications and thoughts. And so with that being said, anybody want to just kind of give their general overview of this morning's service? I can give you a stereotypical overview okay. that Russell pointed out. Don't fall asleep in church. Yeah. <laughs> he also made the... And made the uh, mention that this is also a text that is often used as a uh, humor or a joke towards pastors who preach too long. And I kind of felt attacked. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> David over there felt comfortable in his chair. and I was good. Didn't feel like any arrows came after him, but I certainly did. That's the one who preaches long. Hey, sometimes we're long-winded. That's right. Well, so, you are. Anyway. Yeah, that's okay, though. Uh, but, yeah, I, I really enjoyed Russell's... Uh, time preaching for us and one thing in particular is he did a fantastic job covering all of the names and mentions of individuals and places in Paul's missionary journey here kind of heading back to Jerusalem and one thing specific about that I thought he did well was he didn't get bogged down about each location he stopped at and how much time he stayed there he kind of focused in very well on verses 12 through 16 Really, the idea of this young man that falls to his death. Yeah, he was. Russell was. He uh, he was, he was very light with the scripture, but he also got in depth with it. Uh, he used a lot of scriptural references referring to um, sleep, like we were actually talking about before we started this. You know, how he referenced, you know, the whole sleep of him falling asleep, falling out of the window, but references like. You know, when the apostles fell asleep in the garden, um, when Jesus told them to stay awake, they didn't. I mean, he referenced a lot of different scriptures when it came to it, which I thought was pretty sweet um, that he was able to reference other scriptures to go along with this and not really get off context. Any. Yeah, and I thought he did really good just addressing the three different ways that we see the word sleep used in the New Testament, yeah. first one being that of, you know, natural sleeping. The second one being that of um, just you have died, that you have fallen asleep. And then the third was that spiritual apathy. And so he, I thought, did a good job pointing out that this individual actually, the second one, died falling asleep. But he was making that to a spiritual connection of spiritual apathy and yeah. how we often live our lives as if we are spiritually apathetic or lazy, where instead of being alive and attentive and, uh, as you pointed out earlier, that joke about falling asleep in church, that yeah. we're actually attentive and paying attention in church as well as during our time in the Word and spiritual disciplines. 
which what, what got me with going over the scripture while he was preaching, he got in the first night, he says, the young man you know, sitting at the window, sank into a deep sleep while Paul was talking. He was overcome by it, fell down from the third story, took him dead. And Paul just nonchalantly, well, I, I imagine he's just nonchalantly being Paul, saying that in verse 10, says, but when Paul went down and bent over him, taking him in his arms, it's like Paul is like, you know, wrapping this dude up and says, do not be alarmed for his life is in him. Like just, you know, oh, he's good. He's just shake it off. You're good. He's, he's, he's still alive. Don't be alarmed. I just, I don't know how Paul would be kind of like that nonchalant. And the fact that it doesn't, it doesn't say it in scripture, but like everyone around him was just kind of just okay with that one statement. Now, scripture doesn't really get too deep into what the crowd was doing when this happened, but you know, you can kind of imagine that there was a crowd in this house where Paul was at, and they were just okay with his, you know, with what Paul said. Yeah, kind of like so. Russell used the two different terms that this was an interruption to the worship, not a disrupt dis, uh, disruption. Essentially, meaning that it was it kind of caused an issue for a moment. But it didn't conclude the time of worship and preaching and all of those things. Yeah. And uh, I think that's a cool aspect of this is we see that even after this moment, it just caused him to worship greater that God was able to resurrect this young man um, from death to life. Um, but, you know, one thing that he pointed out in the sermon, and I think is a key thought here, is that we see in the book of Acts, we often refer to this as the, the book of Acts, of the apostles where yeah. I would argue that it's better uh, equated to being the book of the acts of the Holy spirit in the early church. And we see this continuation of the work and ministry of the Holy spirit in the life of the apostles as this continuation of the ministry of Jesus, which is what we see unfold, right? Matthew 28, yeah. 18 through 20, go therefore make disciples teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you to the ends of the earth, right? Yeah. And so we see that. We saw that in Peter up until around chapter 11. Then you see Paul enter the scene. And what I found interesting about this is you think about the life of Jesus. He's just on his way back to Jerusalem. And really what brings him back to Jerusalem was the death of a good friend of his, Lazarus. And we see this moment where he says, look, Lazarus is asleep. He's not actually dead. Though he was dead, right? And the disciples missed that. And then right after that, Jesus says, nope, he's, he's dead. And not only is he dead, but I'm glad he's dead. Because if he wasn't dead, then you wouldn't believe the same way you're going to because he is dead. And so he's like, I'm glad he's dead so you can believe in me as the Messiah. And we see Jesus resurrect this man from the death, goes into Jerusalem, gets um, slathered down with ointments and things of the such, uh, preparing his body for the burial. And then he goes and he finds himself uh, eating the Last Supper with his disciples. And then from there, he brings on three of his disciples with him into the Garden of Gethsemane. And he's asking them to commit to praying alongside of him. But instead, they fall asleep. And in this narrative, we see this young man that should be committing to being attentive to the word of God being preached, falling asleep to his death, and then Paul resurrecting him, and then Paul leaves to go to Jerusalem, making this same journey that would then put him in the same characteristic of that of Jesus that would eventually lead to his time in Rome, that would then lead to his 
uh, first imprisonment, then his second imprisonment, and then historically we would see his death by the beheading of him. Yeah, I mean, you got to think about Paul here in this situation too, because, you know, Paul was, as we talked about last week, he was kind of on a roll uh, when it comes to ministry wise. You know, we talked about last week in uh, chapter 19 that, you know, even the handkerchiefs and the blankets that, or the aprons, excuse me, in verse 12, even so, even the handkerchiefs and the aprons that he had touched his skin were carried away to the sick and their diseases left him and evil spirits came out of people. So this whole like journey that Paul had been on was, you know, a very spirit-filled situation. And then to go from, you know, just articles of clothing touching him that were healing the sick, you know, getting rid of evil spirits to this moment where he comes in this young man, because it says in verse 12, they took the youth away alive, falls asleep, falls out. Paul brings him back to life, essentially by hugging him, it sounds like, just by picking him up. And it was such a, I want to assume, it wasn't that much of a uh, time period between when he fell out from when Paul went to him, because it says, and we're not a little comforted. As in, it sounds like that they didn't really comfort people around him much at all. It was quite a, almost, in, I wouldn't say instantaneous, but it was kind of addressed quickly. Yeah. You know, one thing Russell pointed out in this was that connection between the physically asleep, quote-unquote, dead, and the that of the spiritual asleep. And that was kind of his main driving point home, was the importance of spiritual discipline. And I really liked how he contextualized it to our church in the sense that, we make a big emphasis on resting in Christ. He knows that, and he's and he pointed out pointed out in his sermon that hey, look, yes, resting in Christ is crucial for our salvation, and it is important that we rest in Christ in all things. But there is this nature in which we have to be committed to working out our salvation with fear and trembling, yeah. and a part of that is the spiritual disciplines. And yeah. so, I really appreciated his connecting that to our church directly. Though he's not a part of our church, he knows enough about our church to do so. Yeah. And then, uh, just kind of hitting on the spiritual disciplines, which I think um, is so important. Because he hit, like, prayer. He hit, as a discipline, reading the gospel as this one. And one that he mentioned that I was not expecting him to mention, but he was definitely right. And it's probably one of the least practiced out of all of them, was fasting as a spiritual discipline. Yeah, and I really appreciated how he connected... Um, the importance of fasting, that it allows us to essentially stay awake, both physically, often, but also spiritually, that we would stay awake and ready and alert and connected spiritually to the Lord. And I've experienced that in my own life as I've practiced fasting more over the last few years, is that what it causes me to do as my stomach growls throughout the day it's this constant reminder, hey, this is a time to commit to a trust and a prayer towards the Lord or diving in the Word. And and so I would definitely agree with this connection, connecting of that of fasting. And I think that is the most overlooked discipline of them all. Yeah. That and maybe meditation. I don't think we necessarily meditate on the Word like we should. Yeah. It's a Christian culture. Well, I think meditation really isn't emphasized much because... Um, that also goes into play of time management in our own lives. I don't think we manage our time enough to allow us to have that meditation 
and just kind of sit there and think on the scriptures and yeah that and i think also we live in a society that never stops hearing things yes music podcasts television well, kids goes, well that goes back to like uh i want to say it was a couple months ago when i preached and emphasized you know sit there and just with your eyes closed not saying a word you're trying to clear your mind of everything and sit there not try to think of nothing else but you know what we're doing at that moment you know it's that's really hard because you think about what you got to do the rest of the day um you get distracted by just the smallest little details that goes on around us um i think that's why jesus also emphasized you know when we do go into prayer to get into a quiet you know space all alone that way we can focus and I think that will also apply to the meditation of the scriptures as well. Is getting that quiet place. Um, but I mean, I think Russell did a fantastic job this morning. Um, this is a scripture that is very narrative. It kind of just describes where he's gone, who he's been around and such. Until he gets to that one point where this young man falls out of the window. Then it kind of changes from talking about where he's been, who he's been around, to, oh, snap, this dude just fell out a window. And then going on in verse 13, it just says, you know, talks about where he's going, who he's going to meet, where he wants to go, and wants to get to Jerusalem, you know, hopefully by the day of Pentecost. Yeah, and, you know, I pointed this out before he preached, but one thing I appreciate, because we are a church plant that is similar in age and, demographics and all of those things i really appreciate though russell's not that old he's in his late 40s he's not that old of a gentleman but he's essentially old enough to be a lot of our fathers and so having that more rounded wise exposition of god's word i think was just beneficial for our people as a whole this morning that yeah. we don't get a ton of time a ton of the times so i mean People hear from us all the time, but it, even we, as elders, and they are young, I mean, we, we know stuff about the Bible. We're smart, somewhat educated, um, but it's always nice to hear from someone who's older and who's got more wisdom, more experience. Yeah, I think about it this way, <clears throat> is that, so, between the two of us, we've preached a lot. Yeah. Um, I've probably, because I've done pastoral, pastoral ministry where you've been in youth and children's ministry, I've probably preached more than you have, um, but Russell's preached much longer than I have yeah. and you have put together. Yeah. So the amount of sermons and knowledge that he has is just great. And he's a well-educated man, and he yeah. preached it in such a way that I believe my children was able to pay attention well and gather from it and not have to be that doctoral student or extremely spiritual individual. Um, I thought it was a good sermon overall. But yeah. before we kind of get off of here, I was going to see if Nick, since he's the quiet one in the room today, yeah. has anything he want to point out about it. You kind of got to get a, just start talking. I just got to interrupt you, don't Yeah, I? you got to get a word. Okay, I'll, I'll do that next time if there is one. But uh, uh, no, I'm just sitting here fascinated just watching y'all two go back and forth about what Russell preached on this morning, I kind of feel like, uh, I kind of feel like Elisha just insisting on just listening to you guys, you know, <laughs> which is what he pointed out too, that Elijah had an insistence 
on following Elijah until Elijah's in, uh, just to, just to be closer with God. And, uh, what I took from that is basically what he said next is that we just got to push forward, uh, personally and for our family to want more of God. And that it's our responsibility for seeking God that for him to be able to teach us. Yeah. I think that, um, I think that he, he pointed out, I think one of the last things he said that really stood out to me was you either have spiritual vigilance, spiritual vigilance, or you have spiritual slumber and destruction. Yeah. And it's this importance of pursuing our spiritual growth. And I think that it's really easy not to do that because of our jobs or our families or family activities or, you know, just spending time with our spouses or whatever it could be. There's a lot of excuses not to do these things. But just this reminder to stay awake and stay prepared and do the work of ministry. And I think that's so crucial to us as a church. You know, our desire and our mission at Redeemer, our purpose is to glorify God by proclaiming the gospel making disciples and resting in Christ. And so we have to be diligent in the idea of proclaiming the gospel, making disciples, and then as a reminder to rest in Christ and all of those things. But particularly as we try to reach the transient community of Columbus, as well as the, just those who make Columbus for their forever home, yeah. it's important for us because like right now, we just commissioned off to, uh, to a couple that's a part of our church. Within the next year, we're going to commission off two more couples and so it's like, that's who we are as a church. So we can't just take our feet off the brakes and just coast for any season. Yeah. And, you know, what I'm reminded of with my kids is I've got a 15-year-old, I've got a 10-year-old, a 9-year-old, a 4-year-old, and one that's 6 months old. So if you look at this logistically, for my 15-year-old, I have four more summers before she goes to college. My 10-year-old, I've got eight more. My 9-year-old, I've got nine more four-year-old, I've got about 15 more. My newborn, I've got about 19 more summers. <clears throat> Think about that. You only have that many summers. So we yeah. have to be vigilant in teaching them the Word of God. Yeah. Like going back with Russell, his, like you're talking about his main points earlier, was physically falling asleep, but spiritually as well. And, you know, Nick reminded me of the Elijah and Elisha, how Elisha was constantly on Elijah's coattail wanting to grow consistently had that desire to want to do more and you know like you were talking about you know us as individuals we need to have that spiritual discipline to want more and I, I agree I think a lot of times you know we get home from our Sunday services whether it's at community groups at night or that morning and we get kind of complacent with our routines and our shows or whatever we're doing at home and there's not really that spiritual conversations going on at home. Um, and I've I've tried to do that more at my house. And it's been somewhat successful. It's been somewhat not successful. But, like, the more you're constantly pursuing God, whether it's individually or as a couple, the more you are growing. If you look at in my take anyway. Because if you're wanting to know more, you know, Jesus said, ask and you will find. So if you're wanting to know more about the gospel, about, you know, what Paul's talking about here, you will find the answers. I mean, 
there's several people that you can talk to. There's different uh, commentaries that you can listen to. Uh, different pastors um, that you know I trust that you can talk to or watch on YouTube or whatever. The answers are there. So if you're wanting to know more, get on that coattail and stay spiritually awake instead of spiritually asleep as Russell was talking about. Have those conversations in your home, whether it's with your spouse or with your four-year-old or in my case, three-year-old because my three-year-old shocks me and she'll ask me questions all the time about different things and why we do th different things and it's amazing and she helps me stay on my toes so I, I definitely think you know staying on the coattail I guess you would say big takeaway is you know to stay spiritually awake as Russell was talking about earlier it's good all right well we're at the 22 or so minute mark and so I think it's time to transition off here, and um, this is something that we do desire to do more often as time permits, and so it may not be an every week thing, but we do want to try to do this more often, and we're trying to explore some options to do this to where we don't have to be in the same room together, though I certainly enjoy the company, but we can't always make that happen, and yeah. so if you never hear another episode like this, then it didn't, yeah. it didn't happen, but if you do, then it means that we had the opportunity to uh, but thankful for you guys and the opportunity to discuss this word with you. And just uh, as we kind of walk off of here and get done, just want to encourage those listening. Um, well, unfortunately, we did not record this sermon, so you can't go back and hear it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Technical issues. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but regardless, I just want to encourage you, maybe read Acts 21 through 16 and just walk through this narrative yourself and walk away. Um, just encouraged by this actual moment in history of which God was working in the life and ministry of Paul through the work of the Spirit. But guys, enjoyed it. Yeah.